Hello friends, welcome back to the Connected Divergence podcast. I'm your coach, your host, Tina Etheridge, and today I'm going to be talking about the three steps to unshaming. But first, let me tell you why this is important and why unshaming is important. So if you have ADHD or ADHD, autism and ADHD, most likely, if I had to take a guess, you have experienced a lifetime of shame. Now, whether that's shame from other people, shame from yourself, or a combination of both, very often we are operating in the space of, I am broken and there's something wrong with me. And it's because our brains are wired differently. And I'm going to give credit here to a beautiful analogy by the account Practically ADHD. Her name is Marie. Her account is lovely and so wonderful. I really recommend you follow. But she had the analogy, and I'm not sure if I'm getting this 100% right, but here's the spirit of it, that having neurodivergence is like being given the manual to an automatic vehicle when you are a manual transmission, when you are a stick shift. (laughs) Having neurodivergence and right, not knowing and experiencing a late diagnosis and this process of discovery and uncovering really who you are at a later age, right, when you haven't known your whole life or even if you have known your whole life that you have ADHD, but, right, you were maybe submerged in the stereotype of like, oh, well, this is what ADHD is or maybe you didn't have resources at your disposal to really understand what how your brain is wired, That can be the case too, but truly this experience is like getting handed the manual to an automatic vehicle when you are a manual transmission and you're reading the manual and you're being like, what? This isn't working for me. Where's this button? Where, where's this, this, this pedal? And other people being like, oh, just do this. It's so easy. Just do it this way. And feeling like, but no, wait, what? Am I missing something? Okay. It must be me. I must be doing it wrong. I just need to try harder. I just need to work harder. I just need to force myself to do better, right? Those kind of thoughts. And a lifetime of experience with this can lead to a lot of shame. And if you don't know what shame is, shame is very different from guilt, right? Brene Brown has the definition that guilt means I did something bad. Shame means I am bad. And there is not a lot of room here for wiggle room right to to say to say less there's not a lot of room with shame to say oh here's where I can grow oh here's where I can learn oh here's where I'm in the process of blooming shame is no I am bad I am broken I'm irreparable and shame is not a very well I will add a qualification I was going to say shame is not a very productive emotion But that's not true, and I'll explain that in a little bit, but I'll say it this way. Shame is an emotion that can be very self-limiting and keep us from living our lives the way we want to and keep us from feeling any sense of freedom or liberty or ease or relaxation, right? Shame can be a big block here. And so that's why I wanted, this is why I wanted to talk about shame today. And so let's get into the three steps to unshaming. And step one is very simple. This is also from Brene Brown. 
And it is to speak your shame out loud. Brene has the saying that when you speak your shame out loud, shame dies. And sometimes this is enough. Sometimes you don't even need to go to the next two steps. Sometimes just speaking your shame out loud is enough. And of course, right, what I'm talking about here is speaking your shame out loud to another empathetic, kind, compassionate human being, right? Not speaking your shame out loud to somebody who is, and your brain knows, is, you know, judgmental or cruel or is going to shame you even more because that's obviously not going to help, right? We are talking about speaking shame out loud to someone who is safe, someone with whom our nervous system feels safety, And the reason why this is important is if you've ever heard about the term self-compassion, this is a term coined by Kristen Neff. Her work is amazing. But self-compassion, right? I think so often we can think self-compassion is, oh, just being kind to myself, giving myself grace, giving myself, you know, some love, some wiggle room. And it's not just about that. If you look up what Kristen Neff talks about when she talks about self-compassion, one of the key, vital, most important elements to self-compassion is shared human experience and common humanity. Self-compassion does not work without common humanity and shared human experience. And so it's not just, oh yeah, let me be kind to myself in this moment. Like, yes, and let me be kind to myself in this moment because I know I am not alone. Because I know that I am not the only person that has experienced this. Because I know I'm not the only person in the world that's forgotten that they have an appointment scheduled and completely missed it. Or, you know, said I would do take the trash out. And, oh my gosh, I need to remember to take the trash out. Literally me right now. Said that I would take the trash out and forgotten it. <laughs> and so... This is a huge, huge, huge reminder, and this is why working with a ADHD coach who has ADHD or working with a neurodivergent affirming therapist who really understands neurodivergence, who really gets it, can be such an invaluable experience because you are having self-compassion like reflected back at you, right? You, you, it's almost like, how do I put it into words? What's an appropriate metaphor? It's like a slingshot to self-compassion. When you have another empathetic human who hears you, who sees you, who understands you and is like, yes, I get that. That makes so much sense to me. I've experienced it too. That is a slingshot to self-compassion. Self-compassion is not like, oh, I just need to love myself more. I just need to be kinder to myself. Self-compassion is I need to see myself in a community And know that I am not alone in my struggles and know that I am not alone in my hardships and know that I am not broken. I'm neurodivergent and my brain is literally wired differently. So speaking your shame out loud. If it doesn't feel accessible to you to speak your shame out loud, that is okay and that makes sense. Sometimes we're not ready to speak it to another human being. And one baby step that can be helpful is speaking it out loud to yourself. Now that can be done in a voice recording, literally speaking out loud, or it can be done through journaling. And this is why I love storm journaling. Storm journaling is something that I created, that I have been using my whole life, that 
immensely benefits me. I will have a podcast on this later on. But storm journaling is basically the concept of journaling through shame and your experience of shame. So journaling exactly what you have going on in your brain, exactly how you're feeling, and the words that are coming through your mind at that time. Storm journaling is a stream of conscious journaling practice where you just let it all out. No filter, no holding back, just letting it all out, letting it all flow. And it's a practice of self-acceptance, right? It's a practice of being like, yep, these are how my thoughts are right now in this moment. This is what my brain is thinking. Rather than trying to change or trying to think differently or trying to modify or alter our thoughts, just witnessing and being present and letting them flow. Like I said, I'll have a podcast on this later. But storm journaling or even just journaling and speaking your shame out loud is another way of doing this. And so like I said, sometimes this is enough. Sometimes that moment of either self-acceptance or empathy from another compassionate human being is enough to alleviate shame. But if that is not enough, the second step that I can offer you to unshame and unshaming is the step of asking yourself this question. What critically important thing is this doing for me? So is this experience of shame doing for me? And I say this because I hold the belief that our brains are wise, that our unconscious minds are incredibly wise, and we always are doing things for a really good reason, right? Or not doing things, whatever it is. We're not doing things for a really good reason. And I would say nine times out of 10, it has to do with safety and it has to do with keeping ourselves safe and protecting ourselves, right? And, you know, maybe if it's, let's say, a fear of public speaking, right? Our brains are trying to protect us from, you know, a stressful, very nervous system dysregulated experience. And while in real life, our conscious minds might know, hey, this isn't actually going to kill me. I'm not going to get eaten by a lion on this stage. Our unconscious minds don't know that, but they're trying to do something critically important for us. They're trying to protect us. And so, right, let's say you really want to start writing a novel and you're really, really struggling to write a novel and you've been beating yourself up and shaming yourself and being like, why haven't I started this novel yet? What's wrong with me? I'm never going to get this done and really wanting to do it, but the shame is holding you back. I would encourage you to ask yourself, what critically important thing is me not writing this novel doing for me? What is shame trying to do for me? How is it trying to protect me? And when we take the time to realize what shame is doing for us, because it's trying to do something for us, when we identify that, whether it's rest or a lack of stress or, right, not adding something else to our plate where we already feel overwhelmed, whatever shame is doing that is critically important, once we have an awareness of it, once we recognize what it is, that gives us the opportunity to then give it to ourselves, right? Not shame giving it to ourselves, but taking our power back, taking our autonomy back and saying, hey, shame, I see you. Thanks so much for, you know, stepping in and trying to help me out here, but I'm going to take it from here. And that leads me to step three. <laughs> and so step three 
is giving yourself full, unconditional permission to not worry about trying to make this change right now. Not worrying about trying to make this change just not yet, right? It's not never. It's not that it's never going to happen. But giving yourself full permission basically to give yourself what shame was trying to give you in the first place but not doing a great job of it. Shame was not doing a great job of it. And so step three can look like allowing yourself to rest, allowing yourself to say, you know what? I'm not going to worry about the book right now. I'm going to put the book on the table. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it go just for now, not forever. And giving yourself whatever it is that shame was trying to give you, giving that to yourself on purpose. For as much time as you need until you reach the point where your brain starts to say, hey, I kind of want to do this. Hey, this actually kind of feels accessible. Maybe I want to do some writing and maybe I don't want to write about the book idea that I had, but maybe I want to do some writing about this other thing because that feels safe. And I want to write some fiction instead of, you know, writing this, this heavy piece that I was thinking about. Writing that thing and giving yourself permission to do that when it feels right. And basically in those moments, following your dopamine, following your dopamine, the sparks, the pulls, what you feel called to do, what sounds fun, what sounds sparkly, what sounds exciting right? It's giving yourself the opportunity to then follow your dopamine and do something because you authentically want to, shame-free. So without shame, holding, holding its shadow over you. And so those are my three steps to unshaming. I hope this was helpful. Please like, subscribe, and if you liked this episode, you can reach out to me on Instagram or through my email. All right, well, take care.